is the narrative slowly but surely changing when it comes to sleep? A new article in The Guardian gives me a sense of hope, something new on the horizon. It's like one of those times when I'm like, this is exciting, something new and fresh here, something different, something, you know, very unlike the, you know, the typical stories we, we always hear about, like, oh, if you don't sleep, this is going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. Something very, very different in today's episode of Heard Online, which again, I've been excited about this episode. And um, it is one week delayed. Sorry to Rhoda. Uh, Rhoda um, wrote me uh, an email with a tip, said, hey, you might want to check this one out. I said, oh, I'm going to review it. But then last last week, we instead, we uh, unveiled our new initiative with, within the magazine. So this uh, episode of Heard Online is a little late, but um, I think it's going to be a really, I, I hope you'll really enjoy it and, and find much value in this article from Barbara Speed, uh, who is in, an editor at The Guardian. And the thing is, uh, yeah, I want to actually comment on this before we start reading the, the article, is that this is not written by uh, someone like Camilla Stoddart, uh, one of our coaches, who wrote a, a really nice article for The Guardian. But this is actually written by an editor at The Guardian. This is kind of comes from, from within the, 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 the news, newspaper itself, which, again, signals to me that, okay, there may be change in this, like, uh, you know, if editors, journalists start to change the narrative, like, you know, maybe there's hope. All right, so with that said, let us jump in and look at this article. The title is, Our Obsession with Sleep is Doing More Harm Than Good. It Ignores the Real Problem. To me, really, really interesting title. It, it, it immediately signals like, okay, this is probably going to be something different. And so uh, as we start reading, you know, it, it gets, to me, it gets nicer and nicer. A dystopian-sounding new test threatens drivers with a legal sleep limit. But first, we need to understand why a good night's rest is impossible for some. So, you know, Barbara sets it up as in kind of like there's something really, really sort of scary sounding on the horizon, but let's 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 look at things before we go to that. So the story continues. Do you have a strict bedtime? A sunrise mimicking alarm clock? A vial of sleep oil? A white noise machine? A ban on screens past 10 p.m. We are as a culture obsessed with sleep, not getting enough, not having the right kind, even sleeping too much. Study after study piles up to warn us that any of the above will give us cancer or dementia. In this week, a new punishment for failing to sleep well has appeared in the form of the sleepalyzer, not the official term, blood test administered after a road accident in order to determine if you were under the sleep limit. The Australian Government Office of Road Safety has been investigating this possibility for the good reason that tiredness is a major factor in collisions in the UK. It accounts for up to one in five, rising to a quarter of fatal and serious crashes. The researchers reckon that these tests could be rolled out for use by the police within a couple of years with an accompanying legal drowsy driving limit. So what she's saying here is basically that there's uh, you know, some tests that apparently can test how tired you are. And uh, you know if you were too tired, depending on some metrics, some number, then you you know you shouldn't have been driving right and I, I don't know about you but to me it feels quite like yeah it feels a little dystopian like how how are you how can you how can a number determine how i feel and how am i supposed to do that know that if i feel a little you know tired am i supposed to sleep analyze myself before i get into the car sounds a little a little tricky there and, and you know especially and, and as you can tell this article is not really about insomnia is more about sleep in general but 
we all know that we have more trouble the more pressure we feel right the more pressure we feel to sleep the more the more struggle we have so if we if we if this is added now as an an added layer of pressure in the in society oh my gosh so many of us would have trouble sleeping for this reason but anyway uh, that's what she says then she continues to write the problem with this proposal is that it only adds to the impression that any failure to sleep is our fault great point i think here people with debilitating conditions such as insomnia have always been focused on improving their symptoms and i don't know to what extent she really really sees this but what she's saying here two things she's saying that are i think so so important here so let's just let's just stay on this for a second one she's saying that if we start saying that oh you 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 we're going to measure how much you sleep how drowsy you feel and you have to live up to this then we're starting to like get into this like self self uh, self judgment and thinking that oh it's my fault that I'm tired it's my fault that I'm not sleeping uh, I'm bad I I, sh I should be sleeping more I shouldn't get more rest why can't I get this etc which is you know so unhelpful when we know that peace of mind and peaceful sleep comes when we are not pressured it comes from we're not judging ourselves criticizing ourselves so she points this out very very nicely and then she goes on to point that that you know people who struggle with insomnia have always try to improve their sleep and again i don't know to what extent she realizes how how spot on this this observation is but what she's highlighting is that the more we try to improve our sleep the more we struggle with sleep you know and so i, I think and just a amazing uh, observation there from barbara and she goes on to say but over the past few years a good night's sleep has taken on a new status as something that everybody must pursue and optimize by gadgets and goals. Sleep hygiene, a term once used in the treatment of actual insomnia, has entered the wellness lexicon. Combination of herbs, special lighting, carefully timed baths have taken on an air of mysticism as though our minds and bodies must be tricked in performing this basic biological task. Sleep, as old as life itself, is inherently free and it's now worth hundreds of billions of dollars a year and growing. If we pause here for a second again, uh, you know, seeing things through Barbara's lens, I think, you know, if you're hearing this, Barbara, you know, please let me know if I got anything wrong. But this is this is how I see it is that Barbara sees it as in like, okay, sleep hygiene and looking at your sleep, if you have trouble sleeping, insomnia, that's one thing. That's okay. But this is taking a life of its own. Now everybody should be focusing on sleep. And I think Barbara again sort of almost does i think she almost doesn't realize how 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 this applies not only you know not only the point she's making is very very nice but the point about insomnia is also very very nice which is that sleep hygiene which she's saying is kind of like this is this is over the top this is too much has actually not helped when it comes to insomnia instead in fact it is it is one of the common reasons why we have insomnia why we have trouble sleeping is because we're trying to perfect sleep we're trying to use sleep hygiene as an effort to produce sleep so I think this is this is true not only for what what she's talking about here, which is kind of like, you know, sleep is entering the wellness space and it's becoming like this goal. We measure it. it we, we're becoming really really focused on it. It's not only a problem, you know. If you don't, you know, it's, to me, it's kind of like if nobody has had a problem with sleep, they probably will now. And if somebody has had insomnia, has had to struggle with sleep, it, you know, it, it'll probably be amplified by what she's talking about. But how we as a society. Uh, at least in the Western world, are starting to approach sleep. Very, very nicely said. Again, um, as you can see, I, I'm 
I'm really, really thrilled with this article. All of this ignores several key things. The first is that there is no sleep ideal. The mythical eight hours, much like the recommended 10,000 steps a day, is not a data-backed recommendation by health bodies, but it's rather entirely made up. I love it. I love how she said it's entirely made up. That's exactly what I found. So if you start researching it, there's nothing backing up eight hours. You know, it's entirely made up. Different people need different amounts. Seven hours might be right for you. We know actually that objectively measured, adults sleep about six hours on average, not only just in the Western world, but in like hunter-gatherer societies in, in Tanzania and Namibia and things of that nature. Different people need uh, different amounts. Warnings of a sleep loss epidemic do the rounds every few months, but have never been backed up by reliability 100% spot on again. There's nothing to back that up. In most Western countries, we seem to be broadly sleeping more than we did half a century ago, despite the rise of screens, stress, and all the other things that allegedly keep us awake. If anything has changed, is that we've worked ourselves up into a panic about the whole thing and could thereby be keeping ourselves awake, an effect that is called orthosomnia. Orthosomnia is essentially when we try to perfect our sleep, and that act of trying to perfect this, as she says, you know, makes us worked up. We're focusing so much on that we have trouble sleeping. I think to me, yeah, orthosomnia is, is basically insomnia. You know, there's, you know, when we have insomnia, we, I think we always have a component of orthosomnia, but I also see the value of saying like, well, orthosomnia is really, it, it's kind of like orthosomnia is more specifically when we've used like trackers and really uh, we start to have trouble sleeping as a part of like, you know, perfecting our wellness, something like that. Now, let's continue reading. The second, okay, so this, what was this? Uh, okay, the first, okay, she, she said all, all this ignores several key things. And the first one is that there's no sleep ideal, right? The second is that the real story of sleep is not one of personal responsibility, but of social and economic privilege. Sleep epidemics are real, but they're playing out among shift workers and those with caring responsibilities. A little bit of a um, social commentary part here, you know, which uh, we don't, we don't do politics here, so I'm not going to comment on this one. Uh, she says truck drivers um, are really facing some really challenges because they are asked to work so much. Yes, that that could could very well be a thing. No doubt about that. Um, now, just a few two more paragraphs. Really, the researchers behind the new sleep blood tests have suggested that they could be used in commercial contexts such as mining, aviation, and trucking. If so, there's a chance that employers and legislators would be forced to reckon with the effect their practice have on sleep. Short breaks and ever-increasing hours could be commercially unviable. A terrible night's sleep could be recognized as requiring a sick day so as the driver uh, wasn't under the sleep limit. Or, as is more likely, the culture of personal blame could balloon further. Driving for 15 hours a day? Perhaps try a laminar sleep spray. Two toddlers? No child here? Childcare, have you considered a thousand pound mattress? Uh, now, so so where this ends is sort of saying that um, uh, it, it's again like this is not an insomnia article. This is an article where the author is saying that, you know, first of all, there is no uh, like uh, um, sleep debt uh, epidemic, you know, sleep loss epidemic. That That is not true. But she says there are some people in society who are forced to have to be sleep deprived, like a, a parent of small kids or somebody who works a lot. 
and she's saying that if we start imposing these rules and and um, we measure drowsiness and we punish people who are too too drowsy, who's going to be the real sufferer here? Well, it's the person who has no choice but to work a lot or take care of the small children, which I think is a really really nice point. Uh, but in a way, to me, um, the, the the article touches on something, but doesn't really fully go there, which is that what she's describing, how sleep is becoming part of this like wellness thing. We should sleep this much. We should have this much REM sleep, this much deep sleep. We should track our sleep. We should finesse it. We should tweak it. To me, leads to insomnia. It leads to what maybe there is an insomnia epidemic. I, I don't know. I've, not, I've never looked at any numbers or statistics or something like that, but what she describes very well could lead to a, a really, really a lot of trouble sleeping in the world. So thank you, Barbara, for pointing this out because I think awareness has changed. When this when an article like this comes out and people start thinking of things in a different way, I think it's, it's something beautiful is happening. So yeah, uh, thanks, Rhoda, for, for pointing this out. Uh, thanks for sending me this tip. Thanks, Barbara, for writing this article. Amazing, amazing, in my opinion. I want to thank you so much. But anyways, what are your thoughts? Let us know in the comment section what you thought, and we'll conclude this week's Heard Online there. And tomorrow we have our live Q&A. And uh, Thursday we have an amazing uh, success story. And Friday we have mine in the comments. So, yeah, look forward to seeing you the rest of the week. Bye for now.